This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us over in Stevens Point and down in the Fox Valley. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. And on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Again, good morning to our campuses in Stevens Point. And the Fox Valley, I see you're all surviving the Christmas season. Hallelujah. Still got to get through New Year's Eve. <laughs> and then a new year. It's got to be better than the last one. I certainly hope. <laughs> we shall see. If it's worse, we'll just hang on. I always tell people, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot. And just keep hanging on. Um, I want to take a moment to take our offering, which is done virtually now because of people not want to touch all the different things. Uh, so we're not handing buckets around. But uh, most people are giving online. Uh, or you can give on the way out of the uh, campuses this morning. We'll have some people with buckets at the doors if you want to give something there. There should be envelopes and stuff uh, that you can give. Or you can give by texting. The number to text to is 77977. That's the number you're going to send a text to, 77977. And then in the message, you type CCWI and the dollar amount. And uh, the first time, you got to kind of set it up. But once you do it, then it's, it's out automatic. So I encourage you to do that. Also, to remind you that we are, uh, this is our final, no, we got one more Sunday yet? No, this, this is it. <laughs> For our, <laughs> our legacy offering. Uh, annual offering, something special above and beyond uh, than our regular offering. We encourage, we're, our goal is 100% participation. Do we know where we're at yet? That was a week ago, though. So we don't know this last week where we are because it's been Christmas and people got off. So I don't know where we're at, but it's typical at the end of the year. But last year we hit pretty much 100%. We're lagging now. Now we're lagging. We were doing good. Now we're in the lag. Don't be a slacker, all right? Everybody do something. No one says you have to sell your house and give us the money. Though I would take it if you did that. But I, no, I would not slap you and say, what are you doing? <laughs> but, uh, you know, something, just do something. Everybody, and for those of you here, you can, there's little envelopes and stuff where you can do a special offering for Legacy. You can do it on your phones as well, off the app, online, 
drop something on the way out, uh, whatever. So let's really shoot for 100%. That means everybody does something, okay? Even if it's just the very, very little. I think the smallest gift we can take is a dollar <laughs> online. I said 25 cents once. And amazing, a lot of people jumped in at that and <laughs> messed up the system. So uh, you can't just give 25 cents. At least a dollar. Do something. Everybody do something. And if you've been greatly blessed, you're in a great position, do something big. You know, pass, you want to sow into the kingdom of heaven so that uh, you're prepared for future, for eternity. If we focus too much in this life, it's a big mistake. We need to always remember this is temporary. We're just passing through here. Thank God. All right. This is not heaven. If you think this is heaven, it sucks to be you. All right. And I will do the legacy. I'm going to remind you at the end of the service, all the campuses, all the campus pastors, we're going to just talk about just the legacy and encourage everybody to do something. Alrighty then. Uh, where are we at? Time to preach. All right, here we go. <laughs> Today's what's referred to uh, in the Christian calendar as simply the first Sunday after Christmas. And the next Sunday is brilliantly titled the second Sunday after Christmas. And then, and then it moves on in the calendar. Why the hanging on? Because traditionally, and uh, actually Christians didn't even celebrate Christmas until about the 6th century, 5th uh, century. But by the 6th century, then they tried to make it more official. Uh, and uh, they instituted what was known as the 12 days of Christmas. You've all heard the song, right? My true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. Do not bring me a partridge in a pear tree for your gift. But the, I always thought when I first heard the song that it was a countdown to Christmas. It is not. The 12 days of Christmas actually start on Christmas. That is the first day. And the second day and is today, what, the third day of Christmas, technically. And it goes for 12 days. So the Christian calendar kind of lines up. So we're going to talk a little bit about this t today and then next week the final reading from the Christmas story. So that's what we're doing. Um, uh, we're reading from Luke, the second chapter. We've been reading a lot from Luke uh, during the whole Christmas thing because Luke has uh, a lot of detail about the Christmas story. So Jesus has been born. And then in verse 22, when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. Uh, this is where we get the idea of uh, baby dedication. Now, the law they're talking about is the Old Testament law. And all the children were not dedicated to the Lord. It was just the first male. Uh, it is what it is. Why, why just the first? And I don't know what happened to the poor girls. But it was the first, you know, first male. Tayton here, he's number four of all these girls in front. But biblically, you're number one. Don't you feel important? So, uh, <laughs> again, poor girls. So it was very male-dominated culture, extremely. Christianity changed everything. Because then in the New Testament, we read there is no difference between male or female. And they were all Jesus lifted up women, whereas in the previous cultures, they were always knocked down. So all the ladies said, praise the Lord. One lady. All right, good. So apparently they're not excited about it. Becky's always excited about everything. And, <laughs> and this is a good thing. All right. So and this is where we get the idea of baby dedication. Uh, Jesus was dedicated as a child. Not baptized, but they came dedicated to the Lord and we're followers of Jesus. Therefore, we encourage the dedication of our children as they come into the world. We dedicate them to God. 
All right. Um, Celebration Church, for those of you who are kind of new and not familiar, we're, we're a little bit different. We are a group of churches across the world today that are referred to as convergent churches. What that means is there's three major streams of Christianity in the world today. There is uh, the evangelical stream, which is very based on scripture. It started with Martin Luther, uh, the founder of the Reformation, not Martin Luther King. <laughs> you know, most kids in school know about Martin Luther King. They have no idea who Martin Luther was. In fact, I've talked about Martin Luther on some of my posts on Facebook. Everybody gets mad because they think I'm talking about Martin Luther King. It's a different guy. It's the guy Martin Luther King was named after. He lived in the 1500s, 500 years ago. He brought radical reformation that just literally changed the world. And his main thing uh, in Latin was called sola scriptura, which means only the scriptures. If you can't find it in the Bible, we don't do it. So evangelicals have followed this pretty much very strong emphasis on what the Bible says and what the Bible uh, teaches. Then you've got the charismatic stream uh, in Christianity, which is very strong on dynamic worship and praise and singing. Actually, they've had a dynamic impact on virtually all churches today. When I was born back in the 1800s, there was a big, when you went to a Baptist church or a Nazarene church or a Lutheran church, and you know, it was all dramatically different and charismatics were totally different. Today, it seems like the charismatics have had a huge impact on praise and worship. Because you can go to all kinds of churches, even some Catholic churches, some very traditional, still bring in these very modern uh, songs and stuff like that. And it's really fascinating. As I travel around uh, the world and all these different churches that I go into, uh, and I see these people, even some of the historically very staunchy churches, and they're singing these modern songs and they're raising their hands and worshiping God, I just go, wow. Because back in the day, that would have never happened. Okay? So they've had a dramatic thing. And they very much influence or, or talk about the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and encourage the gifts of the Spirit, something we'll talk more about uh, coming into the next year. And then you have the liturgical. These are the guys who are very into sacraments and uh, very strong into Christian traditions. If they did it, you know, in the first century of Christianity, they still try and do it uh, today. Uh, we are a blend of all of that. That's what it means, convergence. We bring all of this. We think we're pulling the best of each one and pulling away from some of the other parts that are a little strange. Uh, but uh, uh, we too, you hear us acknowledging, as I did at the beginning of my message, Christian traditions. And these people did it for a reason. You know, it wasn't like we made this up last week. You see, Christianity has been around for 2,000 years. They're very devout people who sacrifice their lives to hand this on to us. Uh, and there are some good things. Some of the things we do not do from Christian tradition because they go against sola scriptura. They have little to no bearing in the scriptures at all. So we filter that stuff out, but then we accept some of the traditions. Um, uh, for example, we don't baptize infants. Uh, we dedicate them. Now, people do that. We don't get angry at them. You know, we're not that psycho about stuff like that, but there's no example in the Bible where a child was ever baptized. Examples of children being dedicated, so that's why we do that. We accept some traditions, not others. The Apostles' Creed, which we do before... Us, uh, every sermon on Sunday mornings, we, we do the Apostles' Creed, Statement of Faith. This goes way back to the earliest records in Christianity. Uh, it's not actually found in the Bible, but it's absolutely consistent with the Bible. It is re referring to truths taught in the scriptures. It's a tradition. Passes sola scriptura. We're in. All right? 
So that's why we do that. Christmas, we celebrate Christmas. Some people do not because there's no place in the Bible where it ever tells us to celebrate Christmas. Uh, and it, again, they didn't do it until almost the Middle Ages. Uh, but it's part of Christian tradition. That's why we do it today. Lent, the same kind of thing. There's all kinds of things uh, that we do. So anyway, back to our story. That's where we get Jesus comes. He gets dedicated. We dedicate our children. Uh, say, what about baptism? Baptism, we believe from a scriptural standpoint, is when a person becomes an adult and they make a personal decision. I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Christ. That is when they should be baptized. Uh, and if you haven't done that as an adult, we really encourage you. You really should. Uh, why? Because the Bible says to do it. <laughs> That's why. And uh, liturgical churches are more into, they call these things sacraments. And we tend to lean more into the idea of sacramental things as well. In other words, that these are holy things. God does something. Evangelicals, by and large, which we're also part of, uh, you know, uh, kind of, they don't like to use those phrases and stuff. I don't know why not. Uh, they'll take, for example, baptism. Baptism is just an uh, outside sign of an inward work. They will say that. Same thing with communion. It's just a sign. We don't believe that. We believe God shows up in these things. There's something very, very special. And we treat them as something holy. So that's kind of who we are and, and why we do church the way that we do. Anyway, continuing in our story, verse 24. Jesus come, or uh, they brought Jesus. You can walk yet. And, and they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord when they dedicate him. They come in the temple, they give this offering, which was a pair of turtle doves, uh, or two young pigeons. This was the lowest offering you could do if you were a very poor person. So they brought and gave the poorest offering because they were just starting out. They were relatively poor. The wise men had not yet shown up yet. Okay. I know we tell the Christmas story that, you know, you see the, uh, the shepherds did show up that very night, but the wise men did not show up until probably a year to two years later. We're going to talk about in our final Christmas talk uh, next week, talking about the wise men. But uh, so they came a bit later. And when they came, this family was no longer poor. They brought major gifts, frankincense and myrrh, which I always blow off. But that was a very valuable commodity back then. But they also brought a bunch of gold, which, you know, this had to last that family a long time. I don't know how long, but it's not like they had big expenses, and it was not a consumeristic culture like we have today. They had all this money, and they didn't have to buy a new car every couple of years. They, they didn't feel pressed to get the latest toy at Best Buy, all these different things. In fact, they literally had nothing to buy. <laughs> they had a lot of money, which took care of basic expenses. So they're pretty taken care of. But at this point, it's very, very simple to give the turtle doves in, uh, of, and, uh, as part of their offering. All right, now, verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, which means the coming of the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. Now, that's, that's kind of unusual because unlike today, now as believers, the Holy Spirit is available to everyone and he can fill all of us. I'm making noises. I don't know what that is. Uh, or something else out there. Is it me? It, it is me? What am I doing? <laughs> Poor sound geyser. No, I don't want to hold that stupid thing. I'll try not to wiggle so much. All right. 
Good luck with that. Crackle, 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 crackle. So the Holy Spirit fills all of back. In, but before uh, the Holy Spirit came to everyone, there were times in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit would rest on different individuals. They usually did amazing things. You know, like Samson, the power that he had uh, was because the Holy Spirit came upon him and did amazing things, all these sorts of things. Uh, in fact, there's really no record that Samson was a very strong guy at all. And the Bible would usually point out strong physical characteristics. And they didn't say anything. He couldn't look like me. <laughs> but when the Holy Spirit came on him, boom, he could do incredible things. So, or they could prophesy or they could do special things. So anyway, this is a guy whom the Holy Spirit was resting on. So he was a very special person uh, at this time. He was very devout, it says. And uh, it had been revealed to him by the Spirit of God that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That's a big deal. They've been waiting for thousands of years, and the Holy Spirit lets them know you won't die before you actually see this Messiah come into the world. Well, that's pretty exciting. I don't know if he told anybody. I don't know if anybody would believe him. I have no idea. But uh, so anyway, guided by the Holy Spirit, Simeon came to the temple. He just felt he should come. And when the parents of Jesus brought the child Jesus, uh, to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon sees this baby, and immediately he recognizes who he is. And Simeon took him into his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, which is an interesting prophetic word right there. I mean, already they're speaking of Gentiles, which is all of us, non-Jews, are going to get in on this, which was the furthest thing from their minds at the time. And for the glory of your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon uh, blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed uh, so that the inward thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will will pierce your soul too. So he's looking at her and he's speaking to her. Now, remember, this is all still very new. An angel appears to her. She's pregnant. They go through all this stuff. The child is born. They come and this guy comes up and starts talking to her about what is happening here. It's just a confirmation of what God is doing in their lives and warns her that this is going to pierce your soul. You can say, what does that mean? Can you imagine how this felt when she's watching Jesus being whipped and crucified and she was there for the whole thing? So he's kind of warning them that you got some tough stuff coming ahead, but yet this is going to be an amazing thing, what this child will do. Well, so now, that's Simeon. Then there was also a prophet, Anna, a woman prophesying, yes. And the, Paul, the daughter of, whatever his name is, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, and then a widow to the age of 84. So she was with him seven years, he dies, and now she's 84 years old, been a widow the entire time. She never left the temple, the big temple there, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer day and night. Uh, not quite sure exactly what's going on here. They had traditions and ways of supporting widows in that culture, like we have today of Social Security and that kind of thing, but this was just very specific to widows. The Christian church in the beginning also had the same thing. They had, because a lot of guys died early. I mean, they're not talking about the greatest healthcare system in the world, and you know, there were a lot of widows. A lot of them were very young women who their husband keels over, you know, working on something and it rolls over and crushes them. I have no idea how they died, but they died all kinds of different ways. So the church was very committed to taking care of widows 
which they undoubtedly got from the Jewish culture, which also did the same thing. So that's how she's being taken care of. And she's in the church, uh, the temple, praying constantly. Uh, at that moment, she comes and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all... Whoops, whoops, I skipped something here. No, that was it. She began to... Uh, and to all who are looking for the redemption of Israel. So this lady comes, and she does the same thing. She fawns over the child. She recognizes who this is. And you can imagine, Mary and Joseph are like, wow, this is incredible. Then a few months later, these wise men show up, give them all this money. I mean, they, their minds had to be constantly blowing in all of this. But yet God was constantly reaffirming them. And why does God do that? To help us along the way. And by the way, because we believe the Holy Spirit lives and works in us, if you feel you should say an encouraging word to someone, say it. So I don't know, I, I could be wrong. Someone a couple of weeks ago came and said, you know, I felt the Lord wanted me to tell you something special. And she told me, and it was very encouraging to me. You, you don't know what people are going through. And sometimes the kindest word can really encourage someone. I mean, that's in general, but with the Holy Spirit behind it, it can be very uplifting and very powerful. So I want to, you know, we should encourage each other. Speak words of affirmation to people. And if you feel, you look at someone else and you feel like, you know, maybe they seem a little sad. I just want you to know that God really cares about you. Or I'll be praying for you. These little things. How many know what I'm talking about? These can be very powerful moments in your life. And that's what these people were uh, doing. And the church was always encouraged to do. And we should do that. So now they are there. Uh, you say, why are they there in, in Bethlehem for so long? Well, they had to go and take the census. And it wasn't like they showed up and, and then took off again. It was a long trip. And who knows how long the census took? I mean, you know, it took a long time. In fact, I think they used the same antiquated system we use in America to count votes. And it's, you know, because apparently that's really complicated. And you would think with our technology, you know, it's so irritating. You know, there are millions upon millions upon millions of transactions done every day in America with a credit card. That transfer, they're all different, belong to different people, different vendors, different amounts, and they track it perfectly every single stinking day without a mistake. We can't count one. <laughs> when it comes to voting, I just don't understand it. I mean, how ignorant can we possibly be? You think it would be a sh I'm ashamed of this. In front of the world, when the world looks, says, we can't get this straight. And it takes weeks, weeks to count one and another one. Oh, don't get me started. I already got myself started. All right. So they're there for a while. We don't know how. That's why I said when the, when the wise men show, we'll see it next week. It, it says the wise men enter the house. And the, Deanna was reading this the other day. She said, oh, I thought it was a manger. I said, no, no, no. These guys don't show up for a while. By the time they show up, they got out of the manger. Manger was temporary. We're in a hurry. She's going to pop. We got to do something. Once, once they got out of there, they didn't say, gee, this is awesome. Let's stay here. All right? They got out of there. They found a place. They, they were in a house. And that's when the wise men show up. And again, I don't know how long they were there. Uh, Bible scholars think it's possibly as long as two years. Uh, that's why Herod, when he decided to have these children killed, he said all the children up to two years of age. Because it had been in that window when all of this stuff was happening. Unlike us, where things go very, very fast. Obviously, they had a lot slower pace. All right. So, when they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, uh, and, and getting this child dedicated and doing everything they were supposed to do, then they returned to Galilee, uh, to their own town of Nazareth. 
there's actually a bit of a... There, he's, he's just generalizing quickly. We find out from other scriptures that what happens is an angel warns them about Herod wanting to kill the child. They go into Egypt. It's not until Egypt that they go back and wind up in Nazareth. And he just says, well, they went back to Galilee, the town of Nazareth. And the child grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon them. I know a lot of people are stuck at home and, uh, you know, Netflix, freaking out watching movies all day long. And, and it's kind of fun. We like doing that. Uh, there's a great movie. You ought to watch it. It's called The Young Messiah. Has anybody seen this? I'm the only one. That's not much of a financial success, apparently. But uh, you ought to watch this on Netflix or wherever it's at. Figure out where it's at. It's a, what it is, it's a movie where they're assuming what it was like for Jesus to grow up. And it's done really well. And the kid that is playing Jesus is so adorable. You will love this little kid. And, uh, and it's very respectful. And uh, it's amazing. The Bible doesn't tell us much. There are some recordings uh, in, in literature of what some of the things Jesus did growing up. They're not included in the scripture because they had a lot of really weird things. And they were very strict about what is allowed in the Bible. So, and I think they took some of those things to put the story together. But it's really fast. I just encourage you. That was free. All right. So, um, the child grew up, became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. All right. So, now we're going to jump into the New Testament as we wrap this up. Paul is writing in the New Testament, the epistle to the Galatians, and he says this in the fourth chapter, fourth verse. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who are under these strict laws, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Which, it's really interesting. They, they didn't really translate. All, virtually all translations had this word, Abba, because it was a very intimate word that little children would call their daddies in Greek. Abba, 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 Abba. Okay, which is very different than sometimes a liturgical, part of that world too, but uh, our most omnipotent, powerful, distant God off in the universe somewhere. We praise you, you know. And that's fine, but it makes God sound like he's a million miles away, right? The spirit of God in us, you get this in you, and it's like, daddy, woo all right? So there's this intimate thing that happens in faith, which I love, so that you are no longer a slave, you're but a child, and if a child, then you're also an heir through God. We are heirs, we are into, we share so many riches from God, which most of us learn as we go along. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, you know, there's so many stories, I love reading these stories of people who are really struggling financially, and then they find out that in fact, someone had left them a lot of money. Sometimes it happens with spouses, they don't even know. And, uh, you know, and it's interesting, as, as you, someone passes and you kind of straighten out their affairs and stuff like that, you discover things. And uh, I've known of people who are really struggling financially only to find out the whole time somebody had X amount of dollars. You know? I even had that with Debbie. Bless her little pee picking heart. You know, I went to go close her account. I know she has two accounts. Now, yeah, they got two accounts. And uh, uh, she, they said, do you want us to close? I said, yeah, yeah, close them. And, uh, and I said, well, how much is in them? And they gave a really large number. And I went, what? <laughs> that little rascal. <laughs> she, hey, it was her money, but she was a big saver. 
And there's tens of thousands of dollars. I didn't even know we're there. It was good news to me. All right? When it's on, all of a sudden you're fine. Just, and I thought of this last night as I was thinking about this message today. That's a lot of like the Christian experience. You're going along and the more you learn about faith and you realize, really, that's for me? I can experience that? And as all of a sudden it's like finding an account you didn't know was there. And it, sometimes just like in settling affairs or inheritance, and so, a lot of these things take a long time. Some of these inheritances, especially really large amounts of money, can take years and years and years to settle before actual money is transferred. And it's kind of like that in faith. God has given, we are heirs of God Almighty. And there are so many incredible, wonderful things he has coming to each and every one of us. And as you grow in your faith, it's like all of a sudden you find out a new account. And it's fun. It's like, woo, look at this. And it's one of the reasons you read the scriptures and you come to church and you listen to sermons and stuff. God starts making turning the lights on in your head and you start realizing there's things that are available to you you didn't know were available to you. And he gives freely. He's not a tightwad, all right? And all of a sudden you start discovering this stuff and it's really a great uh, joy. And one of the wonderful things about growing in one's faith to start discovering what is in fact there. And it's been there the whole time, but you didn't know it. You know, things about forgiveness, things about understanding, blessings, answers to prayer, faith, that all of a sudden enrich your life beyond any amount of money, quite frankly. It's, you know, you can have money and be incredibly miserable. You know, money, uh, it's nice. It takes some of the bumps out of the road, but it doesn't satisfy. There's lots of incredibly wealthy and successful people who kill themselves and, you know, thinking, really? If I had that, I'd be happy. Well, no, apparently that doesn't in itself, of itself make you happy. But in Jesus, we have great riches Incredible. There's no reason to walk. If you understand this, and, and it takes a while. Don't feel bad if you feel bad. Does that make any sense? Because sometimes I feel bad, and then you go to church, and I feel bad because I feel bad. And I, I feel guilty because I feel guilty, and that makes me feel more guilty, and you spiral out of control. I mean, so I'm not talking about... The, the good news is that you don't have to feel this way. But it takes a while to discover some of these things. The good news is there are many incredible blessings. We should, people of faith, despite our quirkiness and mistakes and stupidity and all sorts of other things are most blessed people on earth. Because we, in the midst of crummy circumstances, and as I said, New Year's Eve, <clears throat> faith is not a promise that you won't have problems. It's not. Everybody thinks that. Well, I have problems, therefore God must not be real. No. Faith was not a promise you won't, you won't have problems. Faith is a promise that God will be with you in your problems and bring you through your problems and help you triumph over your problems. Joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. See, real faith is singing and praising God when everything is horrible in your life. It's easy to praise God. You know who likes to praise? People who win the lottery. <laughs> they're excited people. woo <laughs> You know, and they're, up, they're very praiseful and very grateful. But you got someone who's having just a horrible time, and yet they're still praising God. Wow, that's faith. That's incredible power, and it sets you free. Uh, and it's, it's just amazing. Anyway, that's why James wrote in the New Testament, he said, consider it pure joy when everything in your life goes wrong. And that's not something most people do. And it can be a problem at first. I always cut people slack. I cut myself slack. When something goes wrong in my life, I give myself 48 hours to be absolutely miserable. But then I got to pull out of it. I don't stay there. I refuse to stay there. You cannot stay there. 
I know initially this is, but you got to pull yourself out and get into a place where you can celebrate God, even when everything looks like it's going horribly wrong. That's faith. Faith is what gets God's attention and what brings you through the miserable circumstance. And God changes things. Anyway, all right, so much for all that. We're going to uh, turn to our time of communion this morning. This is where we celebrate uh, the, the reason Jesus came in the first place, to die on the cross, to bring forgiveness of sins to all who will believe. His body was broken so we could be made whole, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And his blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of our sins. We celebrate that when we take communion. And the Bible instructs us before we take communion to pause and examine ourselves and see where, how we're doing with God. So I want everyone to bow your heads. I'm going to pray a general prayer of forgiveness over all of us as is uh, appropriate before we take communion. Let's pray together. Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, representing the body and the blood of Christ, and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. Heavenly Father, if we've sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, something we've done, something that we shouldn't, should have done, we didn't do, or maybe we haven't loved you with our whole hearts, too busy loving ourselves. For the sake of your son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, we ask you right now to forgive us. Cleanse us of our mistakes. Forgive us of our shortcomings, we pray. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Help us to experience these wonderful riches that many of us are still unaware of. Help us, Lord, to grow and to experience all of your goodness. And as heads are still bowed and people reflecting, uh, maybe you just want to whisper to God something specifically you know. Say, Father, forgive me. I shouldn't have done whatever it is that you did or said or whatever. And the good news is he will forgive you. And if you've never experienced Jesus' grace in your life, this would be a great time to do it, whether you're at our campuses and Fox Valley, Stevens Point here in Green Bay, watching us. Uh, many people still at home watching on the internet all over the world. Uh, if that's you, just take a moment. Ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask him to forgive you. Lord God, forgive me of all my sins. Ask Jesus to come into your life. You can start to experience your first steps of faith that we're celebrating today. And this can dramatically change your life. The Bible talks it as walking out of darkness into light because darkness is an icky place to live in. Amen.